mindfulness mode. Ways to, to just bring more positive energy and kickstart your day. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Well, Mindful Tribe, we've had lots of different guests on. We've had guests that have gone through all sorts of traumatic events, all sorts of childhood experiences. Well, today is one of those examples because our guest today has literally gone through some real challenging times. He is, well, he's a person who went through this uh, very difficult event when he was in his 30s. And I can safely say that he went through a very shocking experience when he was in his 30s. And he's learned so much from it and is now helping many, many other people with this condition. He's a transformational coach. 17 years ago, this happened to him and he experienced atrial fibrillation. And uh, if you know what that is, you'll realize it can be very, very traumatic. Well, not only does he help others with this condition, but he is literally the man who has written the book on AFib. It's called Ease Your AFib. I'm so happy to have Soren Russell with us today. Hey, Soren, are you in mindfulness mode today? Totally. <laughs> That's great. It's good to have you with us. You are you. such an interesting person because you have a lot of different aspects to what you do. And uh, we're going to have a very, very interesting conversation today. So, But first, what does mindfulness mean to you, Soren? I would say mindfulness means being aware of your your thoughts, so thought awareness, and being able to shift your thoughts when they're not in alignment. So being aware of the thoughts and then shifting the thoughts and redefining them to something else. I'll give you an example. When I was at Windsor Park, which is quite close to my house here in Victoria, British Columbia, I was walking through the park on the grass and there was a field that you walk across that people play soccer and rugby on. And there was a big pile of doggy dung on the ground, right? <laughs> How did I big, know you were going to say that? huge mound, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was walking my dog at the time. And I looked at it. And first thing, thought that came into my head was, oh, I can't believe that person pick up their poop, right? Yeah. And then I started to judge them. Yes. And I started to to have my mind go into this whole creation of almost an, like an Armageddon of that specific incident. And then after that, because I was aware of it, I was like, why am I thinking that? It could be a, a completely different scenario. I shouldn't judge that person. His dog, his dog and another dog could have been playing and he was talking to a friend there and he didn't even notice it happening. I don't even know what I'm doing is I'm creating this story. And I had an extra bag on me. I had a few bags on me. So I just went and, and said, well, maybe maybe this happened. Maybe it was a completely innocent uh, situation. And I went and took the bag and I cleaned up the, the dung and then just went on my way. And I felt so much better. And I was thinking, well, oh, if I'm more aware of my thoughts that are invading my mind 
and be able to shifting them, this, this could be huge. And then after that, there, <laughs> there was another thing that happened. This was one after the other. I was walking just out of the park and on a picnic bench there, there was just piles and piles of McDonald's wrappers and bags and, and uh, dipping sauces all over the seat and all this stuff. And uh, I had some wipes on me and I had all this stuff, but my first reaction was, oh, I can't, these people that eat McDonald's, they have no respect, you know? <laughs> that was my first reaction. Yeah. And that was the first thought that came into my head. Then I was aware of that and I said, well, okay, maybe it was someone that had a little kind of gathering there and a lot of people are eating outside. This is during the C word uh, pandemic, as, mm -hmm. as you well know, a lot of people are eating outside and then they might have been in a rush and they couldn't find a garbage. So they just decided to leave it there. And so what I did is I took one of the bags, I just piled everything in there. And I didn't really want a bag specifically for the doggy dung anyway. So I put the doggy dung bag into the paper bag, McDonald's paper bag, and then took it all and put it in the garbage and wiped the seats for the next person that came along. Now, it just took that, those two acts total were probably two minutes maximum. And that created, and you can imagine how it can kind of snowball into um, a positive thing that happened. Like if someone was walking across and they didn't see that, but if someone was actually seeing that, that uh, dung on the ground, they might've gone through that whole thro thought process and weren't aware of it. And then it could have ruined their day. Yeah, so doing these have. simple things and just going ahead and shifting your thought and then just taking action made it uh made it much, much, feel much, much better for me. So. I'm so glad you told us those stories because it's absolutely true. It just, we can allow our thoughts to control us or we can take charge and control our thoughts. And that's what you did. That's, that's really awesome. And it made you feel so much better about your day, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are quite a fascinating individual. You help people who are experiencing AFib and you felt like you needed some help, I think 31 years ago. Tell us what happened. Yeah, just, it was actually 17 years ago at age 31. So oh, it right. 31 years ago. Right. No, of course it <laughs> wasn't. To, and I know that too. I'm not trying to I'm age I'm not that you. old. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to age you, Soren. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Well, when I was 31, I was a semi-pro athlete playing beach volleyball on a regular basis, living in Vancouver. I was lifting weights, doing all the usual thing and eating healthy, a lot of organic foods. And then one day I was helping a friend move a couch. And just as I started to pick it up, I started to feel faint. And my heart started racing. And I, it's something I'd never experienced before. I mean, just lifting that couch, it wasn't even a heavy one. It wasn't a high to bed or anything like that. You know how heavy those can be. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just living, lifting a regular couch, no big deal. And I started to feel faint. And then I put the couch down. I said, we've got to put this down. And then I go to the co local medical clinic. And when they check my vitals, my, my uh, heart rate was at a whopping 220 beats per minute. Wow. And that was a resting heart rate. That wasn't my activity heart rate. 
And my normal heart rate, because as an athlete, it's usually between 50 to 60 at mm -hmm. resting. Yeah. Then I was thinking, well, how can I be so invincible or feel so invincible? And yet just in one moment, boom, feel so vulnerable. And the next thing I know, they fast tracked me to the medical clinic doctor, fast tracked me to the hospital, which was in Vancouver called St. Paul's Hospital. And then the, the cardiac surgeon came in, they put all these, they shaved my chest, put these nodes on my chest to monitor my heart. And the cardiac physician said, Soren, we will need to put paddles on your chest and reset your heart. Your heart rate is not going down and we're afraid this may lead to a stroke. Wow. And I didn't know what was happening. I was like, it was still going boom, 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 boom. But I was lying down, so it was a little bit kind of calmer, but still there was like, it was like these spiders were moving around in my, in my chest cavity. And then I said, just make this go away. You know, do what you need to do. And within a half an hour, the doctors put paddles on my chest, clear, clear. Now this is, the recount of my family who was peering through the operating room window and seeing this happening, I was actually put asleep. They put me on uh, general anesthetic during this time. They don't, they don't uh, allow you to be awake while you're doing this. But when I awoke and I looked over and I saw my, my dad and my sister and my brother looking through that operating room window and they had this terrified look on their faces. And I was terrified as well. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to expect of this whole thing. And I went to the doc my doctor, my uh, local doctor, a couple days later, and he gave me a halter monitor to monitor my heart. And after 48 hours, I gave it back to him. And he said, Soren, there are some irregularities with your heart. I believe you have a heart condition called atrial fibrillation, also known as AFib. And we don't know if it's going to be a persistent, permanent, it's going to be coming here and there. We don't know that much about your condition, but I do want to prescribe you with some med medication for it. And he pulled out his prescription pad and started to write all these medications on there. And I said, Doc, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I, I'm going to figure out and um, be a guinea pig of sorts and figure out how to find a natural, fun, and and hopefully easy solution to relieve atrial fibrillation. And for many years, I would say for about six years, I was trying all these different things, acupressure, um, you know, massage, breathing techniques, meditation, all these groups of different things, and, and regular exercise to just keep my heart cardiovascular going. And it helped a bit, but I was still getting them between three weeks to a month, sometimes every month and a half, these what are called AFib episodes. And then 11 years ago, I was walking towards, and this is now moving to Victoria, I moved to Victoria, brought my family here. And I was walking towards the caf this cafe and I see this little poster that said, laughter yoga tonight at 7 p.m. And I looked at it and I said, well, that couldn't hurt. Why don't I go to a laughter yoga session? It was happening uh, 10 minutes from then. So I walked to the laughter yoga session and right after about 45 minutes, I felt a weight had lifted off my chest. My shoulders felt relaxed. 
I felt like this pent up energy, uh, negative energy, anything. I felt it just collapsed into the ground and I felt much lighter. And then I decided to do this at least on a by like twice a week kind of basis. And I met my colleague, uh, Mati Antala, who ended up training me eventually to become a laughter yoga leader three years later, because I was noticing the significant difference it made. And I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I was taking life way too seriously. Was it maybe time for me to take laughter seriously? And I started this whole laughter practice and bringing people in and we were just laughing for no reason. And it was, it was very inspiring to see other people benefit so much from the laughter yoga. And in laughter yoga, we, when you laugh and you laugh deep from your belly. So we focus on the diaphragmatic breathing and laughter. And when we laugh deep from the belly, it releases endorphins. And when endorphins and oxytocin, these feel good chemicals or hormones are released in the body, cortisol and other stress hormones cannot coexist. So effectively what we're doing is we are helping with stress management through choosing to laugh. When you asked me about mindfulness before, I made a choice to think about what I was thinking about and making that choice to redefine that thought pattern and just go ahead and make that change. Same with, with the McDonald's wrappers. It's similar to with laughter or smiling. When we are riddled with adversity, which we are at this time yeah. <laughs> with during a pandemic, I mean, we're riddled with this adversity and there is fear instilled upon us on the media we need to make that choice. We can make the choice to live in that distressful state of mind, or we can choose a more positive and more uplifting state of mind. And that's where the laughter yoga came in. Also the, what I call rest and digest exercises. So ways of accessing your parasympathetic nervous system, and then also certain breathing exercises to breathe away your mess. I call it breathe away your mess and various other other things as well. So that's where the kind of practice comes from now. Breathe away your mess. Can you tell us more about that? That sounds fascinating. <laughs> well, the, you know, we're we have a lot of mess in our in our minds, our thoughts, yeah. potentially our belief systems. And some of those thoughts create end up creating our belief systems. I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. People will judge me. All these self-limiting beliefs. And if you can breathe through that and also be aware of those limiting beliefs, where they're holding you back, and just do different breathing exercises to access that parasympathetic nervous system. When you are in a state of fight and flight where there's a, a Sasquatch. No, I'm just <laughs> not a Sasquatch coming out, unless you're into <laughs> mythical, but you know, a grizzly bear coming towards you. Cause here we are in Canada where there are a lot of grizzly bears, right? If a grizzly bear is coming towards you, you've got to get to safety. You've got to make a choice right there to get to safety. And what is happening with people these days in our current 
environment is a lot of people are living in about 85 to 100 percent of the time in that fight and flight response when you access the parasympathetic nervous system by doing things like breathing and also some exercises like dropping your shoulders down and to the ground we have a lot of pent-up emotions in our shoulders but by doing various things and various breathing techniques to access the parasympathetic nervous system what you're essentially doing is going straight from the fight and flight response to that res response which is called the rest and digest which is what you want to spend more of that 85 to 100 percent of the day in instead of the fight and flight response well that is really interesting and now you help so many others who have these issues so can you tell us about someone that you've been able to work with somebody that you've been able to help through some of these challenges yeah absolutely um his uh, one of one of the people that i have worked with i won't say his name right now just uh, out of mm -hmm. out of confidentiality sure but he was going through the park in Victoria called Beacon Hill Park, and he was riding through there. And a little bit about his backstory, he was going on his way through the park to this Eric Martin Pavilion, which Eric Martin Pavilion in Victoria is the uh, psychiatric center essentially. So when you're having some difficulties with depression, psychiatric difficulties, a lot of people end up admitting themselves to the Eric Martin Pavilion. And he was on his way there. He had suicidal thoughts. He had a lot of um, heart palpitations based on anxiety that he was feeling. Mm -hmm. And he rode through Beacon Hill Park and he looked over and he saw a news, a news team there um, it was Czech News here in Victoria, and they were interviewing me and a, f a few other um, laughter yoga leaders here in Victoria. And also there were about 30 people there in attendance on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And he, came, he stopped there, and I'll just say his first name. His first name is Eric. And Eric stopped there with his bicycle, curious what was going on. And he came and went through a laughter yoga session and for 45 minutes, he just felt he was starting to feel better. His smile was coming on his face. He was feeling like everything was was uh, working better and also building a community. And then afterwards, he it, he says it totally changed his life. I've done interviews with him uh, about it, but it completely changed his life. And then he ended up uh, about a year and a half later becoming a laughter yoga leader and traveling all across the country by bicycle and going to all these different community centers and doing these free laughter yoga sessions in community centers. And then people started to donate money and, and help him out. And it's really inspiring. And he says that that was the main switch that happened, the main transformation that happened just when he came to that laughter yoga session on that Sunday morning. And so that's one instance, and that's when it really inspired me to become a transformational coach. I was thinking, well, if I could do this for one person just in 45 minutes, what could I accomplish with other people in an ongoing, building an ongoing relationship? And then after that, I started to 
to um, work with people specifically for atrial fibrillation and other heart ailments and just being able to access and have connection between their heart and mind. And a lot of people call that heart mind coherence. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've worked with a lot of people on that as well as uh, various techniques to look at uh, what's called the, um, well, the integration between, it's, it's called parts integration. So integration between kind of the darkness and the light. So bringing those together in more of a synergy and then bringing that close to your heart. Um, that's a method that I've used that has had great success. And laughter yoga is a big component of the, the sessions that I do. And I start every session with a long, well, it's, it's about a two minute breathing technique and then a little bit of laughter at the end. And with uh, atrial fibrillation, people that I've worked with, there's been a lot of people that even after one session, after three or four sessions, I'm looking forward to seeing how it will work out for people that move forward with a three month, six month, or working with me for a year. I, a little disclosure, I'm not, I've not experienced it working with people for a long time, but that is my ultimate goal is to work with them for that, uh, that long period of time too. So. Well, Soren, would you be willing to just do a couple of minutes of laughter yoga now with me? Absolutely. That would be awesome. I think that'd be awesome for Mindful Tribe, you know, just to kind of hear because so far we haven't really been laughing much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you want me to do a little intro to laughter yoga? Yes, definitely. Okay. Laughter yoga started back in 1995 by a medical doctor named Dr. Madan Kataria. And when he was a medical doctor, he wanted to raise the spirits and the happiness at the workplace. A lot of the people were working 12 to 16 hours a day. This was in India, in a place called Mumbai, India. And so he started this little laughter club in a park in Mumbai, India. And it was started it started with five people and they started telling jokes. And But over time it was growing and then some people would get offended by certain jokes and there's different kind of political correctness with that. So he started to develop these laughter exercises and also integrating the uh, yoga part from his wife, Madhuri, who's a yoga instructor. And that created laughter yoga. And it's grown to over seven or over 120 countries in the world and over 35,000 clubs. And what we would do is get into a group Right now, it's, you know, if you're listening to this or watching this through movement and eye contact, which you can even look into the camera now because we're doing a lot of things virtually uh, with movement and eye contact, simulated or playful laughter becomes real laughter. But (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the great secrets of the universe. It doesn't matter. The body physiologically cannot differentiate between simulated or playful laughter and real laughter. You'll still get the same endorphins when you move your diaphragm up and down, (laughs) like this, you still release the same endorphins. And when those are released throughout the body, cortisol and other stress hormones cannot coexist. I was mentioning that before in in the interview there. And so laughter yoga um, has four main parts to it. 
The first part is clapping. And Bruce, I invite you to clap along and everyone else joining here. So you clap fingertip to fingertip and palm to palm. So it's different than the golf clap. Oh, oh, very good, very good. No, it's not like that. You want to have a real intention to the clap. And then you add rhythm to it. So it goes one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. And then we add laughter to it because it is laughter yoga. So it goes ho, ho, ha, 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 ho, ho, ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. And the breathing of laughter yoga is the second part of laughter yoga. That's where Maduri, the laughter yoga leader, uh, or sorry, the yoga leader comes in. That's his, uh, Dr. Badankatari's wife. And it helps to put your hands on your belly for this breathing technique. It's called the balloon belly breath. So effectively what you're doing is when you breathe in, you're expanding the belly and pushing it out. And that gives a full exchange of oxygen, right? And then when you breathe out, you're breathing it in and tucking under, or sorry, you're breathing out, but you're tucking your abdomen under the ribs. So we'll do it together. So breathing in, okay. expanding your belly. And through the mouth out and bring the belly in. And in. And out. And again, breathing in. Hold, 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 and laugh it out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're born to laugh, uh, Bruce. There. Yes, I, I feel like that. I always say I, I don't think we laugh enough. No, exactly, yeah. And the third part of laughter yoga is the childlike playfulness. We move from childhood to adolescence to adulthood we start to lose our sense of playfulness. And Bruce, we both have kids. We kind of notice that as the kids become teenagers, yes. yep. there's that teenage angst that comes out. They're not yeah. giggling at random things anymore. Right. But we do even less when we're adults. So how we do that with laughter yoga is we just go, very good, very good, yay! <laughs> Try it with me, Bruce. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Very very good. good. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and the fourth part of laughter yoga is the laughter yoga exercises. And I want to, for this, I just want to go through two exercises. And these are ones that a lot of people have said, oh my gosh, I use these all the time. They're so great. And, and they're ones that you can integrate into everyday life. And the first one is, oh no, I made a mistake laughter. And a couple of years ago, I was I ride pedicab tours as well in the summer through the city uh -huh. of Victoria. And I had a day where I was working almost 16 hours and I came home and I really wanted this uh, curry that was in the fridge. But it was in one of those big, huge mason jars, you know, the ones that are like one and a half liter yes. <laughs> mason jars. Yes. And I went and grabbed it and I hit my elbow on the side of the... Uh, I'm right on my funny bone on the side of the fridge door and the chicken curry went <laughs> all over the floor glass broke the curry went everywhere all over the cupboards and I was freaking out I was like ah, like this right 
And then I remembered the laughter yoga exercise and I started to do it right away. And it goes like this and follow along with me. Here it goes. Oh no, I made a mistake. <laughs> and again, oh no, oh no, I made, I a, made mistake. a mistake. <laughs> oh no, I made a I mistake. <laughs> and then after doing that a few times and then just laughing, I started laughing and, and cleaning up. So I took out the, uh, the uh, um, regular broom first brushed all the all the the glass fragments up then i took the uh the other broom the little kind of what um i don't know i don't know which broom broom? a little broom Uh, just just the one with the little kind of like to put it into the thing right right Um, right. yeah i don't know what the (laughs) whatever to clean up brooms yeah uh, thing and then i needed to mop the floor so i got the mop ready and the whole time i was laughing the entire time (laughs) and so when you're you know in trouble laugh double and that's what dr madan kataria says so right at that point i was in trouble and laugh that oh no i made a mistake laughter can bring you from that trouble to uh, more of a state of calm and so that was a that was one of the exercises the other one and a lot of people in victoria and well all around the world now because it started in victoria my friend Gene Furby was on his way to a laughter yoga session and he had the Ho Ho Dojo. That was the name of his uh, laughter yoga place. And he was on his way, but he was late and he had every single red light on his because he was late. Right. That's what yeah. seems to want to happen. Right. <laughs> and when he hit the red light, he looked up and he's like, oh, like this. Right. And then he just decided to start an exercise where it's called red light, green light. Uh-huh. And, I invite you to get into your car. So here we'll open, okay. open the door. We'll get into our car. Yeah. We're sitting in our in our car, and we start the engine. Boom, 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 boom. And when I say green light, we move around. And when I say red light, we stop. We look up at the red light, get a little frustrated, and then we laugh. Green light. Red light. <laughs> <laughs> Green light, red light. Oh, (laughs) green light, red light. Whoa, (laughs) ho, ho, ha, 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 ho, ho, ha, 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 ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. Very good, very good. Yay! Very good. Very, Very good. good. Yay! <laughs> now that one, I have a funny story to tell you. I was riding, uh, sorry, driving my vehicle and I came to a red light. And as I do now with the red light, green light, I laugh at the red lights. It eradicates road rage for me completely. And I was hearing this big argument coming from three guys in a truck. They were wearing their yellow vests. And mm-hmm. they were, it looked like they were on their way to construction site. And there was a big heated argument going on. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm just going to keep laughing. And I had the windows open. It was a sunny day. And I was just laughing and laughing. Like, <laughs> 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 look at the red light. <laughs> and they look over at me. And I look over at them. And I just start, continued laughing. And they broke out in like 
<laughs> they did? Just, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> the laughter was just, it, it was outrageous laughter that they went, went through. And it completely switched their mindset. There was no argument that was going on. They probably forgot about what they were arguing about. And that's what I find about laughter yoga. It, a lot of people say it takes about a half an hour to get to that runner's high. But with laughter yoga, it can take only about three to five minutes for you to really feel the the calming effects, the uplifting effects of it. And that's what's so great about it. There's been some scientific studies that show that 10 minutes of laughter, if you're doing the deep belly laughter, can be equivalent to 30 minutes of running or cycling or any other cardiovascular exercise just from that deep movement up and down. And I, I did want to share as well about the this person named Norman Cousins who wrote the book Anatomy of an Illness. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I have or not no. heard of it. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. In the 1960s, he had spent some time in Russia and it was close to where they had been that nuclear, uh, oh, yeah. nuclear things. And, and it was a very, very industrial city. And he feels he must have breathed, breathed in some toxins from there. He was, he was a reporter that was doing research there. And he came back and he started to feel these deep, deep pain in his, in his bones, like right in the deep part of his bones. And then when he went to the hospital, they said he has this condition called ankylosing spondylitis, which is the most degenerative form of arthritis that you can get. A lot mm -hmm. of times arthritis can be controlled in the 60s and people can take medicine for it. They started to prescribe him all these pain meds which worked a little bit, but caused some side effects for him. And also maybe give him half an hour of pain-free sleep. And when you have ankylosing spondylitis, you could, what people end up doing is dying from the amount of pain they go through and they're not able to sleep. Oh, wow. So they die from lack of sleep over the, over the time, over years. And so about a year in, he was, told by his doctor that he has about six months to live and he decided to go all, off all those pain meds and then said well why don't i just try laughter <laughs> and this was an inspiration for uh, dr madan katari who started laughter yoga and he would watch candy camera laurel and hardy abbott and costello all these uh, classic shows and he would laugh for 10 minutes and he noticed that 10 minutes of genuine belly laughter had this anesthetic effect and allowed him to have two hours of pain-free sleep after that 10 minutes uh -huh. of laughter. He ended up living another 25 years. So from the six months of his life left, he lived another 25 years. So anatomy of an illness is talking about laughter part. But he also had intravenous vitamin C that he was using um, to help him uh, cope with it. And so that was a lot of inspiration for laughter and also about the healing benefits of laughter as well. So what yeah. a great story. You are yeah. such a great storyteller, Soren. <laughs> oh, thanks, Bruce. Thank and you. I'm laughing just because it feels so good. <laughs> not because yeah, I'm not? laughing and because you're, you're storytelling, but. <laughs> well, Bruce, another, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Another uh, kind of happiness hack. It's very difficult to frown. So if you're feeling like you're going, all that kind of mess is going through your head, 
all you need to do is just take your pinky finger and put it in your mouth and bite on it like this. Bite on your pinky finger? Yeah, just give it a try. And what's that going to do? Ow! We <laughs> <laughs> have to bite that hard. Don't Bruce. bite that hard. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know your jaw strength, eh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but as soon as you do that, uh-huh. what it does is it changes from this to this. And oh, I see. So suddenly it brings up the smile. edges of your mouth into a smile. Yeah, and when you do smile, you start to release endorphins. <laughs> okay, yes. And laughter is merely a smile that bursts. So okay. when you're smiling, then what you're doing is you're releasing endorphins. And physiologically, and I just want to remind, because uh, I said this before, but physiologically, the body cannot tell the difference between the simulated laughter or real laughter. And that's yes. the same with smiling. And so it still has that benefits and cortisol cannot coexist at the same time. So what you're effectively doing is relieving stress, right. anxiety, depression, just by choosing to smile or to laugh in the face of adversity. Right. And I remember Dr. Kataria telling me that when I interviewed him for mindfulness mode, That's you know, right. that yeah. was the first time I had heard that, that the, that the body physiologically cannot tell the difference. I'm like, really, really? I mean, I can just start laughing. And we did a lot of laughing on that interview, <laughs> as I recall. <laughs> you know? And it was like, well, I can just, can just feel, more. I can just feel the tension just draining out of my body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, it's it's totally it's totally great. And one thing I don't know if I shared, which I, I, I want to share. So the effects of the laughter yoga before I introduced to laughter yoga, I was getting the atrial fibrillation episodes every three to four weeks, sometimes every month and a half I could stretch it out to. But now it's every year to a year and a half that I get them. And that's making a choice to do um, the laughter yoga the uh, just being conscious of my breathing, uh, having more thought awareness, increasing my positive energy anytime I can and decreasing the negative energy. Then also doing uh, self regulation techniques, which I can show you one that, that's been very powerful. And I don't know Great. which one I, I was <laughs> or who introduced me to this one specifically. Okay. But I have, it's called havening. Have you ever done havening before? No, I haven't. Okay. So havening, basically, it helps you access your parasympathetic nervous system almost instantaneously. It's very good for any anxiety or stress that you're going through. And also in this day and age, a lot of us, especially in the town I live in called Victoria, we're not getting enough hugs. We are a hugging town. We hug people that's straight away. It's almost like... We got to go like this and then we stop hugging, you know, it's mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, handshaking. We're very, very friendly place. But this is a way to hug, be able to hug yourself. And what you do is you breathe in, breathe, bring opposite hand to opposite, opposite hands to opposite shoulder. And then you just brush your hands down. So you breathe in first. And then out. Bringing the hands down, breathe in. And out. And again, breathing in and out. And now we can do it with laughter because you want more laughter, right, Bruce? Yeah. Breathing in. <laughs> breathing in. <laughs> again, breathing in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> One more time. <laughs> oh, that feels so good, Soren. Oh, yeah, that it feels, feels it feels really good. And you know, that's a way to incorporate the self-regulation technique and also the laughter yoga. So you can bring both those in. It's kind of like a double whammy. And one more exercise I wanted to just uh, share with you of uh, laughter yoga is the laughter boosting or um, what we call the uh, jab of laughter. So we take our little finger and we take it to our arm and we just go like this. <laughs> Give ourselves a laughter jab. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one. <laughs> and both at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's well, Soren, speaking of laughter, laugh your troubles away. That's what the, the Facebook group is, right? Laugh your troubles mm. away. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So go there. I, I want to ask you this question. I always ask this question, Soren, because I've worked in bullying prevention a long time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness, or maybe I should say where laughter would have made a difference? Yes, absolutely. I was, when I was around 13, 14, it was mostly in grade eight. Uh -huh. I had a really rough year. Oh, I ended wow. up having to change schools uh -huh. after grade eight. Wow. I was going to Ope High and my parents had both of them had lost their jobs during the recession. It was yeah. uh, it was in the early 80s. There was a big recession here, yes. especially in the province of British Columbia. Yeah. And so I was really just had one pair of shorts, one pair of pants, you know, t-shirt and a sweater or something like that. One of each of, of those kind of things. Yes. And I was going to a very expensive school um, or a school where there was a lot of rich kids. Yeah. And they uh, they started to bully me a lot. And if you see me now, I'm almost six foot three, but I was the shortest in my class in grade oh, wow. eight, too. Yeah. What they ended up doing is is saying, well, not only nasty things to me, but they would stuff me in lockers and lock the lockers. So I would be in darkness for a couple oh, hours. Wow. It was, That'd be awful. Yeah, it was it was awful. It was terrible. And then one time, well, one time I was um, attacked by two guys in my in my class and they pushed me over close to this creek when I was on my way home and one of them pulled like jumped on me the other one pulled off, off my shirt and sweater and then the other one just took the uh, it, my nipple and started to twist it oh. and it's called purple nurple they twisted it so much that it started to turn purple my God. And yeah, that was, that was really rough. And then I was also thrown in garbage cans and rolled down the hallways of the school. And I got through that school year very, very, um, with a lot of difficulty. Yeah. And a lot of times I wasn't even going to school. Um, I spent three weeks where I didn't even make it, make it to school. And I really could have used laughter at that time. Yeah. I did come home. I also suppressed my tears because a lot of my I was playing soccer at the time and there was and also with my my father he 
he was uh he was always that type of person it's like oh be tough you know okay and yeah. uh and stuff like that right so a lot of times i was suppressing the emotion of yes uh, like crying and but also yeah. laughter just to be able to switch that would have been very very useful for me in grade nine i did this report on the healing benefits of laughter and that was when the, the choice that i made of there was a project choice that you could make and so I went through all that, but I didn't find out about Norman Cousins, but I did, it was more of a, more from the doctor's perspective and things like that. That's what we were supposed to do. It was, uh, and, and so it was a, it was a really interesting project. And that's when I started to think about, um, using laughter more and that was in grade nine. So that was when I was 14, 15 years old. Right. So, but. Wow. Tough time, tough time. As we move forward in the interview, uh, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. First one is this, who is one person who has been a really powerful mindfulness kind of influence in your life? I would say Matti Antala. He's been my mentor for the last uh, eight years or well, even 10 years. I went to the first time I went to laughter yoga was 11 years ago. And then I started to go to his sessions on Saturday. And then also I joined Toastmasters with him. And then he's all also sent me lots of lots of information. We've worked together. Uh, we, we went to the hearts and hands conference and we co hosted this event for palliative care workers. Those are mm -hmm. people that are working with people that are on their way out. And a yeah. lot of them said, we haven't given ourselves permission to laugh or express joy. And I felt Matty has really just been one of those mentors that, that anytime I feel like I, I'm really down and out, I could always, I feel I could always call him and, and he'll, he'll have a solution for me and stuff. Wow. So, and, That's great to have yeah. somebody like that, that you can call. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you deal with your emotions? Well, when I think of the thing that happened at the park that I mentioned before, it really helps my emotions because I, when I, when you look at something and you go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe someone did that and start to judge and, and go into this whole story. And then you redefine that thought then what happens is it turns you from kind of a distressed state to more of an elated state of mind. And that switch can happen so quickly, but it takes awareness and consciousness of where that's happening or, you know, what is, what does it stem from and things like that. Right. So just really being able to analyze your thoughts and be able to redefine them has made a huge shift and, Marcy Shimoff, who wrote um, Happy for No Reason, she talks about the happiness set point. So ultimately, we want to increase our happiness set point. We all have a happiness set point, but it can be adjusted and moved up. But that takes time and that takes awareness as well. And so that would be my answer to that question. My next question, Soren, is about breathing. And we've talked about breathing a fair bit already, but if you were to sum it up into a sentence or two, how has breathing made a difference to you and your mindfulness practice? Well, breathing helps me access the now or the present moment. I know the now has been used a lot. Uh, one of my favorite writers is Eckhart Tolle and The Power of Now is a fantastic book. 
Yeah. And when you breathe, when you just focus on breathing and take that time to consciously breathe, you're not thinking about all those things. You're not, you're, you're just right here in the present moment. And that's where breathing and then further, furthermore, like meditation, if you go into deep breathing for a long period of time, you start to allow yourself to just be and we're called hu human beings after all. And sometimes I think we should be called human doings because we put such a value on the doing, but we need to focus on the being as well. I was going to ask you about a book you've already mentioned about uh, Eckhart Tolle's book. Are there any apps which you use or you recommend to help? Um, any specific apps? I was using uh, an app for a while, which which did help, but I, I shared some YouTube videos uh -huh. um, from one of my friends. I've recently been working with uh, the International Tao Group, and I don't know if you know about the the Tao philosophy. Yes, I it's do. It's really interesting. So I've learned about I've learned about the Tao, and I was able to teach it last week, and that was the automatic keying system. So certain ways we can key into specific things to shift our our mind and our thoughts to create that positive thought awareness and increase our positive energy. And so he, the uh, one of my mentors there, Matthew Learning, he sent me a a really nice YouTube uh, a video that's that's uh, a meditation along with that. So I do like guided meditations. I find it's in sometimes, and a lot of people think, oh my gosh, I need to reserve 20 minutes to meditate. But it can just be, it could just be 10 to 20 seconds of yeah. just focusing on your breathing. That's right. That 10 to 20 seconds in, in other time in lots of times in the day, you don't need to do that full 20 minutes where, and I think people get a little overwhelmed by that, or they say, oh, I don't have time, but it's just med meditation is, can just be through one breath. Yeah, it really can. And, and just as we wrap up, let's laugh one more time. Okay. <laughs> One of the things I like to say is keep on laughing in the free world. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Soren, it has been awesome having you on the show. I really enjoyed it. Really appreciate it. All the best with your new program, because I'm sure that's going to benefit a lot of people. Booster shot of happiness. Go to Facebook and find Laugh Your Troubles. Is it Laugh Your Troubles? Laugh your troubles away. Away. Yeah. yeah. Laugh Your yeah. Troubles Away on Facebook and join that group. And uh, thanks again for being on the show, Sar. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bruce, and everyone out there. Appreciate you listening. Great. Bye now. Bye. Take care. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. And as always, take what we learned today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>